Would you or anyone you know be interested in the best of what we've learned from over 350 expert interviews? Business expert interviews just like this one you're about to listen to. Plus, I'll share what we discovered spending $50,000 to go through over 100 years of business success research. Thousands of evidence-based scientific studies on what really works. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info on how, in 90 days or less, you can get eight better business habits or get three times your money back. That's 90 days to eight types of better business, fitness, and mindset habits. These will determine who survives and thrives in these unusual times and who doesn't. Visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. You'll discover our new business coaching and accountability program for business, fitness, and mindset all in one. You'll also learn how you can get over $11,336 in free bonuses for only $1. Go to bestbusinesscoach.ca for more info. That's bestbusinesscoach.ca, like Canada or California. See you there. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multi-millionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Once again, this is Daryl Urbanski, and today I've got a special guest for you guys. It is Micah Mitchell. He was one of the first to teach me about marketing and automation, um, especially uh, how to set up Infusionsoft to do some of these crazy marketing campaigns that he used to teach with his uh, white background, black text, PowerPoint videos that way back in the early days when uh, a lot of people didn't even really know what Infusionsoft was or have, uh, have a hand on this marketing automation thing. Um, Micah has helped hundreds of entrepreneurs. He's been a pioneer in the membership site Gold Rush. He's also been involved in a few software as a service businesses. And Micah continues to grow and evolve as an entrepreneur, even today, bringing back powerful business tools such as the Rockefeller Habits and blazing a trail for all of us on building a business and achieving uh, marketing success. Micah, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me, Daryl. Yeah, it's it's an honor to have you. I mean... Um, if anyone listening to this call, that may, whether they do or don't know of you yet, I mean, I've known you for years, and it's just been, it's just been awesome. Like the last icon, just to see you again in person, and everyone, and see how everyone's careers have grown and evolved, and who's fallen off, and who, you know, they they weren't walking their talk, and who was, and where everyone's at. It's just been a real, it's just been a blessing, I think, to just even to be able to grow alongside you and to see how, what you're doing and follow your lead. So, um, no, it's an honor to have you here today. Um, <laughs> so Micah, one of the things maybe we can talk about is even before you got started with Infusionsoft, I wanted to find out a bit more about like, how did you even like start building businesses and learn about marketing and marketing automation? I know it's going back a little while, uh, a little ways, but where did, where did all that come from? Well, so I don't go into this that often, but, um, I kind of fell right into it. This will sound a little weird, but I was in high school. And a friend of mine got expelled from the district and so went to a different school. 
and his brother-in-law had a business. And so he started working with him, and he got me a job there. And I started working with him as well. And within like two months, I just stopped going to school. So I just I stopped going to high school one day and never went back and never really heard anything about it. But it was because of this company that we went to work for, um, we were just excited because it was business and it seemed a lot more real than school. And what they did really pretty soon after I started there mm-hmm. is they got into the membership arena. And it was, they had been doing credit card processing, but then they started doing memberships. And so the reason that I even came into CRM and the rest of it is they started growing like crazy. When I started there, they were very small. I think they were doing like 10 grand a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the end, it was about 10 million a month. Wow. And it was because they were selling... Yeah, it was, it was a nutty, it was a nutty ride. I mean, I I was just working there, but it was my job to move all that data. So the interesting little experience I got was they, when they very first started, they had this little weird off-the-shelf billing system to bill people every 30 days. And then as they grew, it needed to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually worked into enterprise. And so I got the joyous task of moving that data from CRM to CRM and trying to keep the billings straight. And there was lots of different merchant accounts and load balancing and all this other BS. So that's where I started before I saw Infusionsoft. And um, when I left that company, it was, you know, honestly, just because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I saw them making a ton of money and me making (laughs) the same paycheck from two years before. And it was like, yeah, I'm I'm done with this. Um, (laughs) So, so yeah, it was kind of a weird, like tripped into that. And then that evolved into me wanting to come out in the open space. And then I found Infusion and fell in love with it. And it's kind of the short story. Got it. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I just know when I first found you again, it was like a godsend because I had this software in Fusionsoft and I, I knew I'd failed enough in business that I knew that I needed to figure out marketing, that there was like the secret power that nobody really, well, a lot of people don't tell you about that you need to, to, to grow and survive in business. And you just had all these PowerPoint presentations and I remember signing up for your, what was it then? Was it, it was Infusion Mastery, I think it was. I think it was even pre that. I think that was like the second or third rendition of your, your Infusionsoft business training. Um, but it was just a godsend to be able to follow along your videos. I would like, I would love it. I would come back like Friday night. I'd be partying with my friends. I'd come back and be like, I'm not going to bed till I finish this video. And I would just follow along. And by the time the, your video was done, I would have this thing built. And it was like, it was just such a practical application of marketing stuff that I was reading about. It just, it blew my mind. It was, it was really, really awesome. So, um, I love to hear that when it uh, when someone actually actually does it and it works. That's my favorite thing. So thanks. I know. Well, yeah, we both know with coaching that that's often people. So many. So so often, more often than not, people are in the, their own way of success. And uh, I know that. I remember you called me a penis face. I remember we were at one of those icons. You were, anyways, we won't go into that. But you were yeah. You gave me a good kick in the ass and. Um, no, it's, yeah, I think even today you're still helping people. It's evolved now instead of, it was whatever it was in the beginning, then it was infusion mastery. Now it's, what is it now? It's MMM mastery. What's the program now? Yeah, it's, it's just mastery, but there's two ends at the beginning because that was the domain name available, right? Got it. Um, <laughs> got it. So in this process and this evolution and even just in, in, in growing from being part of that startup and transferring into doing your own thing and, and coaching and helping hundreds of businesses, um, what was kind of your greatest challenge in your career and, and on this path and how have you overcome it? Um, so my greatest challenge is probably, uh, you know, there's this weird game that the business owners don't understand as well as some of the consultants do. And it's that, 
you're doing this powerful work for these businesses, but you're not doing it for your business. And it's such a weird thing to be doing, you know what I mean? Because you know that, oh, I've gone and made several thousand or even in some cases a few million at a time for people with projects that you've built. And then you you look at, you know, your nice paycheck, you know, five, 10, 20 grand or something. It's like, well, yeah. So that's, that's been my biggest challenge is just forcing myself to build it for me instead of building it for other people. And even though I like building for other people and it keeps me sharp, whenever I do build it for myself, I see such a huge impact that I just, the rest of the time I'm, and just kicking myself for not doing it more. You know, when I, when a week passes and I look and I think, did I do anything in my own application that I haven't? I just think I'm going crazy. So yeah. that's, that's my ongoing challenge. Yeah. Biggest, I'm, so. I'm, I'm right there with you. It's, and especially I think cause we, we love helping people and you can affect so many lives. Like you can come in again, you can come in and save a business on the verge of bankruptcy or wh- whatever you make light, like that can be life changing for a lot of these business owners and it, it's almost addictive, but like you said, at the end of the day, you're looking and you got your five, ten, twenty thousand dollar check, and you know you built this little asset for them. Like I'm going to be flying to Florida for some clients that you know they're going to be doing like with what they've done already, they're going to be doing like a solid seven figures from it. And you know I got a nice pay up front, but it's it's months out of my life. Exactly, exactly same thing. Where I'm like, you know, I got money up front, but man, if I had built my own thing. Um, so how are you balancing that now? I mean, what's how are you changing your approach or streamlining your business or kind of what's your thought process? And um, I mean, for me, I'm just trying to develop more products to coach and teach people because I just can't help everyone. Um, and then the same thing we just talked about. But is that what you're out to do? Or Yeah, so a couple of things that I've been doing. Um, and as you know, I've been in the space and done different things, masterminds and software and info products. And so what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to make a mix because I realize that uh, to be able to make a good info product, you have to do enough consulting to stay sharp. And right. if you're just doing consulting and info, then you're still doing this turn and burn. Either you consult and you fix them up to a level that, you know, it's not even, um, in my case, it is that they don't need me because I train their team. I work with bigger businesses and I train their internal Infusionsoft team. And so all of that's a treadmill, right? Consulting and even info now, I realize, is a treadmill. When I make an info product, it has a shelf life, typically. And so what I've been doing that's a lot different and um, started last year was I started a software product again. And that's kind of the, you know, the container under everything that's catching everything that falls over. And so now I feel a lot more comfortable consulting with someone, uh, especially if I set them up on my software product, or I feel comfortable selling my info products at a lower price because somewhere in there it mentions my software and the software is the long-term game. So I've kind of done this hybrid thing. I've done, you know, a ton of consulting in years. And then there's been years where I've done, I've said, okay, no consulting and I'm just going to do products. And that was good as well. But, but that's where I realized it's the mix. And I look at Infusionsoft even, and I realize they have training, they have consulting and they have software. Right. And it's that mix that helps everything work. And so that's what I'm going for is a bigger footprint of doing everything um, so that I can justify some of the activities that are more like a treadmill, if that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And in fact, I, I think that's a really powerful point. Maybe we should, we should talk about it a little bit more. So it, exactly. I mean, in your business, you've got 
lead generation, you've got a variety of different products, and for all of them you need to be generating leads for. But what you're saying is that when you offer a variety, wide variety of things, but you have this like this core to your business for you, it's software as a service, which is very scalable, and it's a continuity program, program which means that if you can get someone into that program, they're paying you every month on, for, on an ongoing basis until they drop off for whatever reason. And especially since it's a software platform that you're, that you're creating, um, ideally if they make it past the first couple of months, You've got them, you know, for as long as they're in business, essentially, or they, for whatever reason, they decide to leave. But those are the exception. Um, and so that backbone of recurring income is kind of the the, the exact, exactly that. It's the heartbeat. It's the backbone. It's the spine of your business. And then you're supporting it with services and info products to either either up their ups upsell existing clients or to be a front end to get people into that program. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah, exactly. And I've. Um, I've dealt with a lot of really big speakers, and I, you have too, I know. And so you've probably seen the behind the scenes when they come off stage and they talk about their business. And it's they a lot of them are on that treadmill. It's a big, fancy, gold, diamond-plated treadmill, yep. but it's still a treadmill. And, and a lot of them I noticed uh, at some point in their lives were coming, and that was the bigger question, not how can I get more people to my event, but how can I put something on the back end, a membership side, a, anything that will last a little bit longer than right. you know, these next sales? Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's and the golden handcuffs where, yeah, you can go have, you know, you can have a million dollar a month um, speaking on stage and selling these products and right whatever kind of coaching programs, but they're the golden handcuffs. You sold it. Now you have to fulfill on it and, you know, and refunds and all that. Yeah, I, I know exactly, exactly what you're talking about. So that's a really important and really powerful concept, I think, of having multiple things available, but especially something that you're trying to provide for the mass of your customers. Um, and so that right now, that's Membirium, right? Can you talk about Membirium a little bit? And how did you even kind yeah. of come up with that? I mean, um, so I'm actually licensing it from a guy named Dave Bullock, and he's a, a longtime kind of API guy in the Infusionsoft space. And, and you know Dave, and I've worked with him. And so, anyways, Dave came up with it because of another software that was a lot of his clients were having issues with, and so they really wanted a replacement. And he built that initially for them. And so, it started with Ryan Dice, and um, he's got it on all of his sites now. And it was had been running on Ryan Dice's sites for about two years before I got in touch with Dave and licensed it and everything. And so, um, going forward now. That's what we do. And even, even though I say it's Dave who made it, I'm just giving him credit. We, we love the thing. You know, we don't treat it like just another product we sell. We do everything. We do all the support and documentation and training and right. onboarding and everything. So he programs and then, you know, we support him. He helps support as well. But yeah. I just, yeah, that's, that's Membarium. It's a WordPress plugin for Infusionsoft to create a membership site. Right. And um, it's a big cash of mine is membership site. So I actually enjoy getting on the phone and, you know, rinky deeking around and someone's, WordPress science. That's I don't know. That's what I do now mostly for my consulting calls, and I enjoy it. Right. No, that's awesome. And David, he is he is such a superstar. There's it's he. There's no one else like him in the Infusionsoft community. He is such he's such a good friend, and he's so wicked smart. All the top 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 guys use him for sure. But I get I he, you're dropping gems, Mike, and I don't even know if you realize it. So this is perfect. So you didn't even have to make the product yourself. You just have 
a group of customers that you serve and you know more of the needs that they have beyond what you are currently serving. And so you license the product from someone else who's very credible that that already built the product out of the same need you see your customers having. And now that's under your umbrella. And it's just a beautiful thing. It's this wonderful symbiotic partnership with a silent product developer and you get to market it and be the front end and kind of own it. And, and it, and, and you didn't really have to pay for the research and the development or anything like that. You just were able to go out and source a product that you knew was quality and even could have some input in the development of and brought that under your umbrella. And I think that that, those are some really powerful lessons because I know a lot of people that I work with, they're constantly focusing on the front end. And when you talk about building a back end and upselling, they're like, but I don't have time to create a product or I don't know what else to sell them. And so have you done this in more instances? Have you seen it applied in different ways? Is there anything like that that you could kind of expand upon a little bit? I mean, how do you even think of, of licensing this? Yeah. So, uh, I initially thought of becoming a publisher because I was making all the info. And like I mentioned earlier, I realized the info has a shelf life, especially where I'm creating training on software that I don't own Infusionsoft. They can change it whenever they want. And suddenly my content's gone. And so when I first started understanding that I started looking at publishing other people's products. And so Grant James, um, he, used to do a bunch of Facebook training and, you know, as a big traffic guy. And now he runs uh, a traffic business, so he helps people get traffic. Mm. Um, but before this, he had, he had wanted to create some products. And so we created some products under my brand, but he created them about Facebook and running ads and getting likes and everything. And so that was my first, you know, chance to try it out. And so I tried publishing, which is just the same thing, licensing. It was just info in that case. And I learned a couple valuable lessons that, uh, you know, through that, and so coming back around and doing it with Dave, it was actually my main lesson is um, it was a legal thing. I had spent a couple of years with a client who uh, does a bunch of stuff related to law and asset protection and whatnot. And that process, I realized how important it was. And so with Dave, I actually wrote our royalty agreement using some templates and I got some help and input from attorneys and stuff. Um, but I just made myself learn that. And so that, that was a skill set that I was completely ignorant of. I'd been so naive and, lost so much money by not being um, legally intelligent. And so this time around, you know, I kind of proved the idea of, okay, publishing, it works. People are willing to put a product on. They don't want to be the sales end. They want to be the development end. Once I realized that, it was like, well, why publish info when I can publish, you know, software or anything else? And right. so... Right, which is um, more of a, which is, which is almost like a, a, a better product with a longer shelf life, ideally. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. That is so brilliant. No, I really really like that. Um, so can and we talked about that too when we were at the last when again when we met in Phoenix at the last Icon, and and you were saying that it was a big kind of stepping uh, or almost I don't know if it was a rite of passage, but it, you felt it was a milestone that you achieved when you kind of understood the importance of understanding the legality of business and studying that. And is there anything you can share with us about that? I know. You told me to talk to Casey, and when I talked to him, he told me to study real estate law because even every, like a business transaction um, or any business contracts you would sign would be very similar to what you may encounter in a real estate deal just because of the different parties involved and if someone's putting money in, and it's just a very, just a very good um, structure to follow. Is that what you followed as well? How did, where did you get your information on legal contracts, and is there anywhere someone should get started if they haven't done that or gotten that education yet? Yeah, it was it was kind of funny to give you an idea of how much I was fumbling through the dark. 
I signed up for a template service, and I'm, I'm not going to remember the name of it, but you can just Google like legal templates and template documents and stuff. But I actually paid for a service um, because on the front end, it had a, a wizard that walked you through what you want to do. But what was funny is, I mean, I was, like I said, I was so ignorant. And even dealing with this company who did all this legal stuff, I started to realize, oh, you know what? This isn't that much different really than programming. They're, they're setting up a structure. They're putting in the components. And, you know, it, when I realized that it was a lot like a program, the legal document was, and how it was organized, then I, it, it opened up for me. But I, I made so many attempts into things that didn't matter. At first, I thought it was going to be um, a licensing agreement, or I thought I was going to buy it outright and acquire the asset. And the more I had to actually, I fully built contracts for those purposes. And the more I tried to get them to work, I just realized it's the wrong structure. And so eventually I found the royalty agreement. And so that was, it was a lot of legwork and I don't know if I'd recommend it, but that's essentially what happened is I said, I'm just going to get this done. Can I get it done this way? And I tried it. Can I get it done this way? And I tried it and this way and this way. And I found that the royalty agreement, all the built-ins and all the customizations that I could do to the agreement, I finally realized, Oh, this, this thing is perfect for what we want to do. You know, it, it protects both parties and all that. So I would highly recommend the documents um, just because then you can just read it. And even though it's all legalese at first, um, and, and seriously, when I first read it, I was going to dictionary.com just like, what is this word? What is that word? Um, <laughs> That's right. So it's, it's not, not for the faint of heart, but probably the most profitable work I've done in the last 10 years because I look back at all the things I've done and businesses I've grown and all this kind of stuff. And that's why I say the legal is so important because the whole time along, I just thought, well, if I create value, you know, then I'll build something. But without the legal, that can be taken so easily. You know? Right, right. Yeah, um, have deals go sideways or whatever. Right. So so that's basically it. I realized creating value, and you probably feel this way, creating value for right. clients and for yourself and everything is not that hard. Um, sustaining it, protecting it, and all that kind of stuff uh, was the next level. And so I just... I just dove in head first. That's the only advice I'd give people is if it's a big enough need and you don't know how to figure it out or whatever, just dive in anyways. You always figure it out right. uh, one way or another, even, even if you hire someone ultimately. Yeah, hire someone or I actually have a client that one of the things he's doing is he's brought a lawyer in for a small percent of the ro a royalty agreement. Same thing like you said, it's just saying, hey, look, I understand how important legal is. Um, I can't handle all this stuff and I can't afford to pay you, but this is the business. This is what we think it has potential of doing. If you're interested, would you be, you know, almost not quite work on consignment, but, you know, work for a royalty, a percent equity in the business. So that's an option as well. Um, and you got my gears turning about some people maybe I should reach out to in the near future and, and do exactly that. That's awesome. Um, so, Micah, maybe, you know, I know you've been con uh, doing coaching consulting far longer than I have, and you've probably seen inside way more businesses than I have as well. What are some of the greatest mistakes you see clients and other entrepreneurs making? What do you see that really tends to hold people back? Hmm. Um, it's a pretty broad question, but where I jump to is is overcomplicating things, especially with, uh, you know, we around Infusionsoft, but really that's just part of their business. Like it's infused right. to their whole business. So it's their, it's that they think they need a lot more than they really do. And most things that work are really rather simple. Most things I've ever seen work. It's an email that someone clicks and goes to a page and clicks a button and enters in their info. It's three steps. It's not complicated. The, you know, having the right words on the page is where people need to spend time. And so I see people over-engineer things and over uh, think everything versus just do the simplest 
things first. And they're going to work to a degree in most cases. If they don't, don't expand them. If they do, expand them and get complicated. So people just, they over-engineer right up front instead of getting any feedback out of their system. Like, well, let me send an email. And I did this with a client recently, and it was a huge argument with this couple from Israel to get them to do it. And then they finally did it, and they, they sent me an email afterward that says, and I quote, I should give myself a high five. Uh, and it, all I told them to do was, like, you don't do any of that. All of that stuff you want to do, please, for the love of all that's good and holy, don't do it. <laughs> just just write an email, you know, just... And so um, pe- people think they need so much to grow their business, and they really need very simple mechanisms, you know, with a good idea behind it. That's That's awesome, and I think that's really, really valid. Is there any kind of example you can give? I mean, that's just such a good analogy. Um that yeah like that's so awesome is there anything like what was it i don't know how specific you can get but what were they trying to like was it they were trying to have like a 12-step campaign that all these if-then connections and you're like just write three emails sales on today hey reminder for the sale and hey final notice was it something like that that you just told them to just real really boil down what they were doing or um yeah yeah actually so it it goes a little further back than that and um a lot of people will be able to appreciate this if you've moved into Infusion. They're, they're an existing business moving into Infusion, so they have a customer list, and they thought that they needed to segment their customer list into all these little tiny parts and have all these customized sequences to each segment of their list. And I, what I was saying is like, yes, in a year when you have sent some emails and you know even how to write an email um, and measure the click-through <laughs> and whatever... Go ahead, but since this is your first email ever, I would recommend just sending the one email. And all the email said was, it's Oktoberfest again. Click here if you'd like to request a reorder. And if they click, it said, oh, great, we'll call you, and you can place the same order as last year or change it if you'd like. And that was it. And um, when it went out, of course, people right. opened the one simple email because it got there versus the 50 emails that they would have spent two months writing and missed the promo. You know? Right. Right, 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 right. That is so, yeah, that's awesome. That is so awesome. I had a question and it just slipped my mind. I forget what I was going to say, but it was it was right on the coattails of that. Oh, tracking. You said measuring and tracking. That sparked something in my head. What do you do for measuring and tracking? What do you think are the really critical metrics to, to use? And are there any sort of tools and software out there you would recommend um, for a dashboard or just to pull out the data you need? Or is it all in Infusionsoft? And if so, what reports? Um, yeah, give me talk a little bit about the measuring and metrics. Yeah, so I'm um, maybe a little bit minimalist on some of this stuff, which will sound weird because I've been in technology so long. I've just noticed that, uh, you know, and again, keeping it simple, people over-track. They think I'm going to track everything and I'm going to tag everything and all this because they hear somebody say that from stage. And it's, you know, it's kind of true, but depending on who you are, right? Um, if it gets in the way of getting stuff done. So in my case for tracking, I always look at my Google Analytics and then um, internally what I'm really doing is I use affiliate links. So when I go set up a Facebook ad, I use an affiliate link and um, all the people I know are affiliates and Google is affiliate links. Even as I go out and I do social stuff, I'll use affiliate links for that as well. And so I just use regular Infusionsoft referral partner tracking mm-hmm. for basically everything. Mm. Um, and I know it's overly simplistic, but how much time do I really need to spend on tracking? If I can see who's performing and roughly the conversions, which is what that shows you real fast, um, 
I can dive in, and if I'm doing something with a ton of traffic, I might go and set up a whole conversion test and all the rest of it. But honestly, um, just being transparent, I use the little affiliate things, and that's about it. That's mostly what I care about. I mean, from overall business analytics, I'm, of course, looking at other stuff, but marketing tracking, right. that's it. Yeah, but no, that's that's all you really need in a lot of instances is what lead source is generating uh, what sales and how many leads am I getting. And, I, you know, in Fusionsoft, I know we were trying to go – we were going haywire when I was working for John and exactly that. I mean, I remember our COO was adamant that we track as many stats we could. We had a dedicated guy tracking all the stats, but I, I needed three stat numbers every day, and I think, you're, I think you're right. I think that's a really straightforward and simple solution. Um and even if, for anyone who's not using Infusionsoft, just to get an affiliate tracking software in general, because that's, I think that's kind of all you need, um, just in that one dash. Now, are you creating different, are you just using one per channel, or are you breaking it down per ad, or like if you've got Google, if you're doing any Google AdWords, would you have, an, I guess you could do whatever you felt was necessary. You can make as many or as few as you want, eh? Yeah, um, and I always go simplest the most advanced and so like I'll just have a regular Google affiliate and then I added I think a Google pay-per-click affiliate and then within the pay-per-click affiliate you can put the ad codes on the affiliate links right mm -hmm. so the ad code is the campaign ID from Google and so you get the cumulative Google thing because that's the affiliate stat and then you can poke into their individual ad codes and that's per campaign and um, and you're talking about adding those Google parameters to the end of the URL is that correct there's like five custom fields with Google is that uh, Actually, no, I don't even do that. I probably should. I'm just saying that um, when, I set, when I set up an ad and I say this is ad A, then on the affiliate link in Infusionsoft, there's a little ad code variable. So you know how it says your app name slash go slash page name slash affiliate name, then it's slash ad code. Mm. Um, and so you, you can just arbitrarily create whatever you want there, and it will track it and list it. That is awesome. And so, yeah, I mean, but that's... If I had, and this, this is why I say that's my baseline, and I, I would actually probably suggest to a lot of people that that would be a good baseline just because it's so quick and easy. And then after that, if I'm really doing something, then sure, I'll install some stuff. But I, I just see, like you're saying with John, that them trying to track everything, that becomes an operational nightmare and a burden. And so I've seen with all sorts of tracking things, it's like, well, if I can't use it consistently and if I don't want to use it for five years in a row, then I'm just not going to use it at all because otherwise the learning curve isn't worth the little bit of data I get yep. that I can't sustainably get. You know? Right. No, and I think I think you're totally valid because even when you start collecting a ton of numbers, and I'm, I'm actually want to add on to what we've been saying, but when you collect a ton of numbers, data validity is always uh, like huge because if you've got if you have any faults in any of your metrics, then you have to assume all your data is wrong until you validate all of it. And so by tracking less, it's less to kind of manage and to make sure it is valid. And I think that exactly like you say, I mean, for the most part, they're guiding metrics anyways. They're not necessarily verbatim. I know we never got, we were using Visual Website Optimizer. We were using Infusionsoft uh, affiliate links, Bitly, and we're using Google URL parameters, and there was something else. I forget what it was, but we can never get, oh, we were using like conversion pixels inside of Google AdWords and Facebook, and we would never get all three to identically match up, but they were kind of just the goalposts that we were just kind of following. And of course, what does count is money spent, money made, right? You can chunks of money going out, chunks of money coming in from each. So, um, no, I think that that's, that's really good and really useful and just really easy. 
Um, and that's an old tech tr uh, trick, too. You've probably been doing that forever. That's nothing new, is it? No. And it was funny. I was talking to um, Craig Jacobson just yesterday, and he went into a client where he was doing that, and I thought that was hilarious because I have a, a ton of respect for Craig, like uber respect for Craig, and he has all sorts of advanced analytic tools. But he, he even told me, he said, yeah, the infusion side's only five minutes, and he goes in and he makes the affiliate link, right. and that's all he does. Yeah. That was it. And yeah. I was like, yep, that's, that's what I do. It's you know, it's the simplest, easiest, just you take out all the variables. And like you said, if the data's bad, I mean, mo um, one of the books he gave me, and this is a deep read, but you'll probably like it. It's called uh, Thinking Fast and Slow. Yep. And um, holy crap, is it an intense, uh, <laughs> it takes a while to get through because it's all about statistics. And um, the way most people, you know, the premise isn't that all statistics are wrong, but that most of the, you know, inferences we make from statistics are wrong. And there's, you know, they point out all the reasons why, but when you look at all the data people collect and then what they assume from that data and all the margin for error, you know, in collecting it, you know, all these different things, it's like that's that's a whole lot of effort in, in what really turns out to be scientifically guesswork mm. versus let's, let's spend all our energy on just making the product better and making you know, making more production. And so that's why I keep that in pretty simple. Yeah. And actually that's so, it's really important. You mentioned the product, making the product better. Cause I just did a, I did a call with Ken McCarthy. Um, you know, many of them, many people consider him to be the godfather of internet marketing. And, you know, and that was something that came up at uh, the Titans of direct response event. I don't know if you heard about that, but that was, that was in Connecticut, huge event, really important. Jay Abraham was there, Joe Sugarman, Gary Bensavenga, uh, Greg Ranker from Guthy Ranker that does proactive and, you know, like millions and millions of dollars a year, like, sorry, hundreds of millions of dollars per year, just even like proactive alone to 750 million. And just to hear from these guys and, and, and from them. And they're, they're just saying the kind of the same stuff that we're talking about here. And, um, one of the things that was brought up again and again is that, you know, a gifted product will go much further than just gifted marketing. And so making your product better, which is why I thought what you did was so brilliant. And I wanted to really expand on that, how you just went and licensed a product, especially one that you felt you could help uh, influence development. And you already have an active customer base and you can have it tailor fit to them, which, you know, also fits a wider need. I just thought that was ingenious. So, um, yeah, that's great. So the book was Thinking Fast and Slow. I've been looking at my bookshelf while we were talking because I'm like, I think I have that. I know I know. I looked at buying it. I don't see it, though. I'm going to have to get that. Are there any other books you would recommend, Micah? If you had, like, five books that you could read just to, like, if you had to start fresh and get your all your knowledge that you use right now, what kind of five sources would you tap into, do you think? Mm, um, well, I mean, there's there's all the classics everyone loves, like um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Think and Grow Rich, and some of those, um, just for regular old personal development. Because um, I grew up in a family that was very poor, eight kids, so I'm not, I was not set up to do business, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so a lot of that, some people may not need it as much, but after that, I love autobiographies. So Benjamin Franklin's uh, autobiography, um Napoleon is a biography that I thought was really good, and I had to read it like three times for it to start making any sense because it's most of the names and locations and everything, it's all of European, like French or German. And anyway, so that's what I would recommend is I would pick a few really good ones and read them like four or five times. Right. Uh, that's, that's more it. So if you read 
Benjamin Franklin and Abraham Lincoln and Napoleon, and then a couple of these, um, you know, like capitalist kind of books, and then read them a bunch over and over and over for a series of years. That's, you know, because reading them once is good, but as I reread these things, that's what I'm loving. I'm reading um, Franklin for like the sixth time right now, and it's it's just great. Yeah, I think no, you're you're right. There's so much knowledge to be had from reading a book again and again. I remember a mentor of mine, another mentor. Um, he really likes Think and Grow Rich. And I remember he was talking about how he loves it when he tells people, like, go read Think and Grow Rich. And they read, they come back, and they're like, hey, write it, what should I read next? And he's like, well, well, did you, did you implement all of it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, no, well, then go back and read it again, you know, and just read it again. And, like, that's it. Like, you know, there's not a whole lot more. There's just, like you said, read these autobiographies and use them as your life lessons and, and reread them. So what are you reading right now? Um, well, I'm, I'm always, like, poking into a lot of books, but like I said, Franklin's a big one. I'm still not done with Thinking Fast and Slow because it's really dense. Um, there's another one that I really like lately called Winning by Jack Welch, mm-hmm. and it's a really, like, it was it, it was the opposite of the way I thought about team building, but obviously he's, you know, we grew GE for a long time and it built him into a sustainable thing. Uh, well, they were already huge, but... Um, so that book was really good because it fixed a lot of the things that I had going on in my head about employees and how to build a company that was going to win. And it, you know, it's some of the same, uh, it's pretty original actually. I shouldn't say it's some of the same stuff that you already know, like, Oh, get the right people on the bus. His approach to it is very original. And it's, some people think he's a little, uh, a little too brutal and whatnot, but it's an interesting book to read because it's him speaking directly to you. And he answers that question very directly like people have said i'm cruel when i do this or i'm cruel when i do that well here's the reasoning because ultimately the more cruel thing is for the company to fail and everyone to lose their jobs kind of a thing and um so he just he straightened some things out i think so again it's winning it's jack welch and that that was a great one i'm reading it again because i just finished it a little while ago but as i poke back into it it's it's the same like you're saying with thing to grow it's just like okay i read it the first time i liked it am i doing even 10 percent of what he said no Right, so right. Who he is again, you know? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's Bruce Lee has a quote where he's like, "I I fear the man who's practiced one kick a thousand times more than the man who's practiced a thousand different kicks kicks once." So I think that fits into that. And, it's, and I know you're building a team right now, so that's very like very relevant for the stage you're at with your business. And um, what have kind of been your big takeaways from it, or how are you? What have you been learning about that part? Because that's something even myself as well to get to the next tier. You know, first I think you're in the you're kind of trying to figure out what you're trying to do and get results, and then you get results, and then you're trying to repeat them, and then you're kind of excited because you're able to repeat results over and over. And now you start getting to a phase where you want to be able to do more, you know, bigger, better, stronger, faster, and leverage yourself. And then you you almost invariably come to the conclusion that all right, I need a team of people to help me accomplish this. And so that's I know where I'm at myself. And so for you, I know you've been working on that right now as well. Would have kind of been any of the, the, the ahas that you've had, the breakthroughs or things that you found working really well. I loved when you were talking about like your hiring process, how that how you, you changed that, you structured that. Was that influenced by, by Jack's book? Um, that actually, I'm sure you talked a bit about it, but the basic premise of hire slow, fire fast um, ties into it. And that uh, came from a, a past client of mine, just you know, make the hiring process really long, make them th- jump through a bunch of hoops and that's, 
um, to give you a little background, I've had two employees for a few years, one employee for a long time. I've always, you know, kept some help and then two employees for a few years. Uh, now I've got about five and the, what I learned, uh, for me at least where I do software and training and all the rest of it is I was really overvaluing, um, some of the people skills, like people who were easy to talk to, were good in meetings and all the rest of this. And I was not quite valuing enough the actual like technical know-how. So as I've gone through some more rounds of hiring, I've been really careful to hire the absolute smartest people, like person in the group, you know, and I got as many people as I possibly could into the front end. I, I treat it just like a marketing funnel. Like how many people can I get to apply, you know, because it's just a lot of numbers. I'm going to get the better candidates at the end. And at the very end, I even did a group interview where they all came into the same webinar and I asked them questions, and then they replied through the chat with their answers, and as they did what I was asking them to do, because it's kind of an exercise. Mm-hmm. And that was really telling. That was really telling to get all the applicants in the exact same environment, give them the same info at the same time, engage their responses, because we recorded the webinar, you have a record of the chat and whatever. So it's so clear in that environment. And my hiring process before, just doing the default, like I'm going to post an ad and interview some people and pick one that I, I know most people do, and I know I did forever, <laughs> just how horrible that is and how impactful the business, because one of my employees, and I really liked the guy, I had him for quite a while, he just, because he wasn't kind of on fire about it, because he wasn't passionate enough about it, mm-hmm. it's not that he was dropping balls, but he didn't push his position forward for two years. So basically, I had a portion of my business just stagnant for years because he was doing a good enough job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... The couple big takeaways, I guess, just to wrap it up is um, getting getting the right people to me now seems like the only job. Like me as the business owner, all the rest of it, you know, you're going to figure out some way to make products and make money in sales and marketing and all the rest of it. That's going to happen. There's not, there's not tons of strategy needed, right? You could do it a little better or worse, but getting all the right people on the bus, um, especially with me dealing with these bigger companies for the last couple of years, I just see like one dead executive and not dead, but one piece of dead wood in the organization, someone who's not really moving. Right. Just everything else gets cluttered around it and you wrap bureaucracy around that person to try to help them perform, which just pisses everyone else off and all the rest of it. So I just see that like, you know, got to have just the A team a hundred percent and there's no exceptions. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm, I'm going for right now with everybody. And, uh, and it's a lot harder. It takes a lot of time and a lot of executive time to de- to help train and develop. But um, you see, that having as being like the big win yeah. in the long run is that. Yeah, I mean, my marketing guy, for example, I did take that time, and he is an A player. Uh, and I've, you know, that's grown. That's gone completely away from me. It's off my plate. I don't send. I don't do my own Infusionsoft. Sounds a little crazy, but um, <laughs> and it, it's because he's got it right, and so that's. And the other guy I had, the operations guy, was like, we kind of had it. And so even though it didn't implode at any point, it didn't go anywhere. Right. And I, I look back and it's like, wow, the opportunity cost of not just a bad person, but a mediocre person yep. is incredible mm-hmm. when you could just as easily have had a good person by trying a little harder to get them. Mm. Got it. Is there any sort of strategy that you're using to try and incentivize and engage people, or is it mostly just through power of selection and finding people that really resonate with the the, the opportunity that you're providing? 
Um, definitely B. It's the people who resonate with it because I tried, uh, you know, with, with the piece of Deadwood, I tried all sorts of incentives and bonuses and structures and plans, and that's what I mean. You either, like, wrap bureaucracy around to punish or to incentivize. Either way, to the right person, you don't need either of those things. And so my right people, I still give bonuses to, and, you know, I'm, I'm cognizant of that, but that's not the primary factor. It's their passion for the product. And in this last group interview, I could just tell, even though the one guy was a little more business savvy and sounded a little more polished, he didn't care as much. He didn't, he wasn't as excited to be there. He was excited about maybe the prospect of getting the job, but it wasn't like, Oh, I love this software. And it takes a special person, but that's where those are the people we need. You know? Right. Right. And that, that, yeah, because that's also going to be building your culture and culture on any team is so critically important. I know just with martial arts training that I've been uh, fortunate enough to go to do some training camps and do, you know, week long, week long training sessions for people that are preparing to go compete at the worlds or at like, you know, the Pan Ams or just these met like these, that these monumentous events in that industry and it, the culture is so important because exactly like you said one bad apple and it spreads to the whole whole team and um i think that's really powerful i think that there's that's a lot of well there's a lot in this call i think that that's some really 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 helpful helpful knowledge thank you micah now for you yeah. what have been kind of the biggest pieces of advice you've ever been given um when you in your own path and growth as a career we talked about your challenge um, but has there ever been like, you know, like for me, for for example, we had a mastermind meeting once where you were like repeating over and over. You were like, focus, follow one course until successful focus. And that stuck with me too. At one point I had that on a sticky note because I'm just, I'm not happy unless I have five projects going on at once. I just, it's my, my default, but I find I only really perform well if I have three. If I have two, I get bored, but if I have three, it's like a sweet spot. Um, so has there any, been any really powerful advice that you've gotten at a time in your career when you needed it? And what was it? Um, a huge piece of advice that at the time I thought I was overpaying for. So it was one of those situations where my business was doing good. I bought, uh, it was called millionaire coaching from Laura Langemeyer, where your coach is a millionaire, mm -hmm. and, you know, it was yep. a couple of years ago, but, um, I bought that and it was, it was like a thousand dollars a month for a 30 minute call. And after I bought it, my business took a little turn and, I was struggling to pay the thousand and I was mad at myself, like, ah, you know, this is so dumb that I'm paying for this call and inappropriate. But that lady said one thing to me that's probably made, like, totally changed my life at the time. And I, I was always a little too, um, I was just naive, I guess. But what she said to me was she said, you're not a bank. And what she meant was, you shouldn't, like, I was giving customers terms, some customers, you know, wouldn't pay and I was having all these issues related to that. So that was just huge advice for me is just, you're not a bank. You don't need to be bankrolling people's crap. Let them, mm -hmm. if they can't afford your services, they need to put it on a credit card or get a loan or something because you're not a bank, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that just, that catapulted me right from like a lot of struggle to being a really successful consultant in the Infusionsoft space the whole time because when someone wanted something, I'd simply send them an order form and say, go ahead and enter your card and we'll go ahead with that, you know, and uh, I never had anyone worry about it. It, it was it was a surprise to me that when I switched, no one's headed anything. Really? 
Got it. So instead of so you before were finding you were dispensing a lot of free information and kind of nervous around getting people to pay, and when you did ask for the money, they were trying to get you to negotiate in terms and whatever. And you just at one point got that advice and just decided, no, no, that's it. And basically, if somebody wanted something, you you would stop with the free advice. Or obviously, you still help people a little bit, right? But at some point, you knew where your mm-hmm. line was, and you'd be like, sure, I'd love to help you with that. Once you go and pay, you know, fill out this order form, we can continue. And and so you just got comfortable asking for the money. It sounds like. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, really simply. And I mean, the the client in question, it was one of these equity deals that we all think is going to be smart and we're going to take a chunk of the action, whatever. Um, and I ultimately on that one got burned like 22K and I was only like 20 years old at the time. So it's not like I could really afford, afford that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I was comfortable selling and asking for a price, but the concept that I should be bankrolling anybody, you know, and she, she just a couple of simple little lessons about finance were just like, wow, I'm dumb, you know? Yep. yep. Um, yeah. but, but you figure it out and move on. Yeah, no, and that's, that's so, and that made it worth all the calls for you. It sounds like that one thing, because it just, that one thing was holding you back. That's part of why I think, uh, even in my career, I've, I've helped really grow and develop by going to a lot of events and signing up for a lot of coaching exactly for that reason. Uh, again, just being told by someone on my path that, Hey, you only need one idea from like a four day seminar to make all the money you spent to go to that seminar back. Um, yep. so that's the power, power of one solid idea. That's awesome. So aside from that, have there been any kind of like habits or rituals that you felt have really contributed to your success and your ability to implement and, and, and just to, to learn and grow and foster? What are kind of the key critical habits that you have? Because we all only have 24 hours in a day. So is it a weekly thing? Is it a monthly thing? What are kind of some of the linchpins that you feel that you just do habitually that have really, really helped make it easier for you? Um, yeah, the main habit and the main discipline that uh, has given me a pretty easy ride for the most part and allowed me to rebuild after mistakes and whatever is um, at some point I just, you know, realized how simple it really was to create a little bit of content and how valuable. So when I ran into a problem, I'd take three times as long to fix it because I'd make a video about how to fix it, not just fix it, right? And that that one simple habit, even if you only do it once a week, if you make some sort of little video tutorial for your customers or employees or, you know, whatever, even just once a week, I know most people don't do that. And uh, so just me doing that, I used to think to myself a long time ago when I was first kind of building up, I just thought to myself, is everyone else crazy? Like how, am I the only one who sees this? And I didn't, you know, I didn't understand at the time um, all the other challenges that I'm sure they were facing. I was, I just had the time to make videos and I was making them just like, wow, am I the, is everyone else crazy or, you know, what, what, what um, kind of videos you're just making little content videos so when you say that again because I, I got because you're saying that you learned to not make the video just fix it but no I'm sorry I'm sorry if I was unclear what I what I said was I would take longer to fix the issue because I'd always make a video about it so I just slowed down long enough to record what I was doing and oh. duplicate myself that way so I guess I guess you'd say duplication so just duplicating my efforts through recording whatever it is, um, that, that's a habit that long ago pushed me, you know, everywhere I've been. And uh, as much as I've stuck with it, it's always paid off. And when I've not done it or fallen off that wagon and not recorded content for too long, um, it's really bit me. You get behind and then you think, oh, I'll make it up and I'll do this big recording session. It never really happens that way. 
Got it. So you just um, mean in the moment, like today I've got to fix this, or you wake up and this is the fire that's going on in your business, you'll slow down and you'll record yourself addressing that problem, and that will be either free content or content you'll add to your paid subscription stuff? Yeah, and a lot of times um, what I'll do is I won't record as I'm fixing it, but what I'll do is I'll fix it, and then I'll test it, and then I'll record, this is the problem I had, this is how I fixed it, here's how I can tell it's fixed. If it ever happens again, go ahead, you know, and do this. Right. Um, so it's more, I, I don't slow down so much that I make the whole process of fixing it terrible, but I'm saying yeah, you, when it's fixed, I'm not done. I need to record that or else uh, I'm going to be the one doing it again. Got it. Yep. No, I got it. I'm with you. So perfect. And so for you, that's been a habit for success because while you're fixing and improving things or doing client work, you're also developing your, your assets, whether it's your content, your for content-based marketing or content for your products. And you're just kind of living your day-to-day life already but you're just being smart as you do it and creating these assets that you can use later. Yeah, is that perfect? Now, is is there a way that a filing system that you use to organize it? Do you have like polished or unpolished, like raw footage, like a bucket for all your raw content and it goes off to someone to kind of polish and package it and then it gets put into the polished group and then you, you like, is there a workflow afterwards or? You know, it's, um, that's why I say I take a little longer is, I'll record it, and I'll edit it, and I'll publish it, and I'll send it to everyone who needs to know about it. So I, when I say I, I record it, I just get it done all the way through the whole thing, and then it's done. And if I ever have to look it back up, it's in my email history as a finished, you know, and on my sites yep. and everything. So God. that's what I mean by taking longer is I, I don't leave it undone. It's that same focus thing. Like until that thing is done, I'm... Yep, yep, yep. okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Okay, that's excellent. That is awesome. Um, well, Micah, that's, that has been really, really helpful. What are you really excited about that you're working on right now? Um, you know, it's weird because Membarium is, is going really well. I, I'm excited to pretty soon release some more stuff about the Rockefeller habits. It's kind of a, an integrated approach where um, you're going to be doing Infusionsoft, but within a strategic kind of shell, you know, and uh, I showed you the Rockefeller Habits document. It's, yep. That's what I'm excited about is automating a process where business owners can actually properly plan their work, not just like, oh, I'm going to make a, a project spec for this infusion build out, but I see infusion as their business and vice versa. And it's, you know, for some people it's a smaller component, but that's what I'm excited about is a way to productize that because I've been selling it for, you know, some a lot of them pay about 500 an hour for this kind of thing, for that type of consulting, but there's only so many people who are willing to do that and they only do it for so long until they pick it up and all the rest of it. So turning that into a product for me and putting it at the reach of the people who don't have 500 to spend one time, you know, I'm going to put it at a low price point, like 97 or something. And so that's what I'm kind of excited about because it's, it's a really high value thing that as I've yeah. been doing it, most infusion users don't know about. And I did it like up at the mag group a little while ago um, and they just ate it up. And so I see the, need for it and it's even what infusion does part uh, as part of their elite forum i learned is a lot of that stuff and i learned it just mm. working with a friend of mine but um yeah i and i'll tell you where it came from is casey graham said something really interesting to me um when i was interviewing him it was a really simple concept but for some reason in all my years of membership i hadn't quite understood it that way and he was talking about how he used to sell high dollar consulting to churches and uh, it was fine when he got the sale, but he 
put so much effort into getting the sale and then you do the job and then you have to find the next one. He said that basically when he pushed it into a membership site, it wasn't about scaling. Like I guess his, his just perspective on it was different. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to scale and I'm going to get these members or whatever. His whole purpose was, I'm going to put it within reach. I'm going to put this multi-thousand dollar thing within reach of the masses for a very low price point. Um, and so that just you know, turned on, I guess, a light bulb in my head and I realized, oh, I could take this, you know, really elaborate consulting thing and wrap it into something consumable. And so I know that I, it sounds really kind of nerdy, but I'm so turned on by that right now. No, no, no. I think it's, I think it's really valuable. I mean, you were, you know, you were gracious enough to kind of introduce me to it and even coach me a little bit with just getting up and running with it. And I think it's super valuable just to go back to what we talked about when you know that you, you know, when you hit that point where you're able to implement, you're able to get results, you're able to repeat it, but now you realize that there's a bottleneck and there's only so many hours in a day and you really need to onboard a team. That's for me, I think that it's been the most critical is just really kind of getting clear on my goals and breaking it down into quarterly objectives that then I can then have a project manager or, you know, have someone on my team kind of help work with me to break down everyone's tasks from an annual, from a three to five year plan to an annual plan to a quarterly plan to monthly goals that then, you know, they would then break into a weekly objective. I think that that's huge. And just the whole system behind it. um, I think it's just a noble cause. I mean, that's, I'm already seeing the value in it. And I think that that's something that's again, a noble cause to take something that you should, because you only have so much time in a day, you know, what you, we talked about at the beginning of the call, the impact that we're able to have on businesses and affect all their customer bases even. I mean, that's part of why I got into business coaching is because once I was able to start getting results with marketing and grow businesses, you know, if you are in your one business, then you're able to affect, you know, a few hundred to a few thousand customers. But if you're helping other business owners, now you've got, if you have 10 business owners and they all have a few hundred, a few thousand, it's like ex, an exponential difference. So to make that more palatable and easier to access to more people, even just kind of if they're do-it-yourselfers, right, just to kind of get them up and running, I think that that is something. And, you know, you're geeking out on it, but I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It is hot. So... Where would someone go if they want to get on your list or get any information about Membirium or your mastery course or the Rockefeller product you're planning on releasing? Where's a really good spot for people to connect with you? Yeah, so if they go to mastery.com and it's 3N, so M-M-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com, there's an opt-in there, and that's probably good for any Infusion user because it's really basic, like thinking about Infusion stuff. and. Once you opt in there, you'll have my email. You can also just go to support and ask a question if you want. There's a support link at the top. So, they, yeah, I mean, just anything people need, uh, they can come in there and ask questions and love to help out whoever. But if you get on the list, yeah, you'll see that Rockefeller stuff coming out in a little while. And it's, I don't know, I'm just excited about it because it's fun. And I've, uh, just a little background, I think you know, Daryl, but for those who don't know, I stumbled across that helping a friend of mine really save his business kind of uh, well and and he had gotten cancer and so he had to leave his business and it needed to survive without him which it wasn't and implementing that uh turned the whole thing around so i've, I've got a very deep first-hand experience with like this this isn't just like oh another little business solution and do a few things but it's for the owners out there it's a very freeing solution you can start yeah. to really control and direct the destiny of the company predictably and it's it's a lot of fun yeah i i totally agree with you again i just finished my first quarter and after reviewing how we did i just yeah it just gives you a really good 
it just gives you a really good feeling of how did you and your team perform and what threats kind of came up that you weren't addressing properly. And it almost in some ways alleviates, it's very freeing in the sense of, um, I think when you're working on your own and, um, or even with a small team, but you don't have like this guiding kind of strategic document or that heartbeat to your business, that under that core skeleton, you're constantly putting out fires day to day and you're kind of just going by your gut, you know, where you kind of want to go and you know that more money is better than less. But with this, for me, what is liberating is because my strength is not in managing teams, but like you say, it's just one unifying where you put everything together that encompasses all areas of the business and you use, everybody uses that and you share it with everyone and it's like your, I don't know, it's like your master recipe for cooking. And even though you've got five different areas, someone's cooking the fish and the meat, someone's prepping, you know, you have the prep area, you have people that prepare it for presentation, but you've got this you know, this step by almost like a system from beginning to end, you know, what it should look like at the end with some photos and, you know, the step, uh, the, the, the steps for each, each role and how they fit in. And, um, no, I just, I think it's really, really powerful. So is there a deadline for the launch of that? Is that something that's going to be happening in the next couple of months or in the next couple of weeks or? Um, I think it's going to be late December to time with the beginning of the year because there's, you know, there's the quarterlies, but then there's also the yearly, which is yeah. a great kickoff. So yeah, I'm thinking late perfect. December, early January. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Well, I definitely count me in. <laughs> Whatever it is, sign me up because um, I already see the results from it. So, uh, and once again, I guess it was mmmastery. So mmmastery. dot com. Is that correct? That's right. Sorry about the the tricky name. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's perfect because it's, it's it's awesome. No, we're good. Three M's Astery. So, all right, Micah. Well, thank you very much. Um, I really, really, really appreciate you taking time out of your day today. Um, it's always an honor whenever we get together. Good things happen, and I hope uh, everyone who's listening to this call really kind of goes through it and pulls out the gems. Don't be afraid to listen to it more than once. Just like we talked about reading the books, we covered a lot of really good concepts. And and Micah just sharing your biography. Um, I'll send you a recording but you could probably make some sort of report or something out of like what we just talked about because from your story from beginning to end and the lessons learned I think that would just be a great asset for your followers and your listeners because um, there's just you sharing your story I think there's just so much value in what we talked about today uh, for anyone at any stage of business so I'll send that over to you and um, yeah just thank you again I appreciate you coming on yeah much appreciated thank you so much for having me and thanks everyone for listening <laughs> all right You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, 
bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast, and if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself, and remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.